Exodus 35, and beginning to read from verse 30. And Moses said unto the children of Israel, See, the Lord hath called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he hath filled him with the Spirit of God, in wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship, and to devise curious works, to work in gold and in silver and in brass, and in the cutting of stones, to set them, and in carving of wood, to make any manner of cunning work. And he hath put in his heart that he may teach, both he and Aholiab, the son of Ahishamach, of the tribe of Dan. Them hath he filled with wisdom of heart, to work all manner of work of the engraver and of the cunning workman and of the embroiderer in blue and in purple and scarlet and in fine linen and of the weaver, even of them that do any work and of those that devise cunning work. Well, friends, uh, we're looking at this passage uh, uh, this evening and uh, I know I did say last week that uh, that was the last sermon on Exodus. And uh, there's been a change of plan, a change of mind. Uh, God willing, we will start a new series uh, next week. But I thought there is one more here. And it's in this uh, work of the actual tabernacle, the actual carrying out of the work. And my subject is uh, grace and genius. Grace and genius, as we'll uh, see in a minute. Well, the blueprint uh, for the tabernacle, as you remember, uh, had been given to Moses in the mount and uh, the, the priest's garments and how they were to be made and put together, what they were to be constructed of and so on. All that information had been passed on to Moses and uh, now it's the time for that work uh, to begin. Now is the time uh, for the construction work to begin and for uh, the putting together of all these things. There was a lot of things uh, to be done. You have the whole list there in verses 11 uh, to 18 of that 35th chapter. The tent and its coverings uh, had to be made. The ram skins had to be dyed red. The veil of, uh, of, the, uh, the veil of blue and purple and scarlet and the f fine embroidery and the, the, um, the cherubims, those angels, had to be uh, um, um, embroidered within those veils as well. Boards for the tabernacle and for the outside of the tabernacle the outer court, all those had to be put together. Uh, the ark had to be made to its uh, specific measurements, the staves, the gold mercy seat, so much that there was uh, to do. The lampstand had to be made, the altars and uh, the uh, utensils that were to be used uh, within the, ta the tabernacle. And then there was the anointing oil. That couldn't be any old mixture. It's not just throwing all the different ingredients together. They had to be very specially made, and the incense, and the priest's uh, garments as well. So there was a lot uh, for them uh, to do. But it's something very interesting happens. Before the work actually uh, begins, uh, Moses reminds the people of something crucial, something that is very important, a principle that they must ever uh, re uh, re remember and carry with them uh, through their lives, and that is the Sabbath day. They must remember to keep the Sabbath day. You can see that in the beginning of the chapter in verse 2. Moses reminds them, the work is to be carried out, 
But in six days shall the work be done, uh, but on the seventh day there shall be unto to you a holy day, a Sabbath rest uh, to the Lord. Yes, there was a lot to be uh, undertaken, but uh, six days they were to do it. Remember, he says once again, remember this, don't forget it. Even though there's so much to do, even though you're doing the Lord's work, even though you're building the tabernacle, and you're doing things for him on that day, this is nothing secular as such that you're doing. Still remember, it's the Lord's day, and it's a, a time that one day in seven must be set aside for worship and for coming before the Lord and for uh, serving him on that day. The other six days are to be applied uh, apply yourselves uh, to the work. And you see also in verse 3, you shall kindle no fire throughout your habitations upon the Sabbath day. And that's, that doesn't mean any fire. It doesn't mean you, you can't light a fire. It was cold at night. And even on the Sabbath days were cold. And they would need the heating of, of the warmth of a fire. They would need to kindle a fire uh, to cook, no doubt. And that also was permitted. That wasn't prohibited. What's being prohibited here is kindling a fire for the purpose of work. Kindling a fire for the purpose maybe of uh, melting metals or for heating up a tool with which you were to uh, do your work. That's, the, that's what's in mind, the, fire, the kind of fire that's uh, necessary. Uh, that's, that's forbidden, rather. But uh, here it is, uh, right at the very beginning, Moses tells them, remember uh, the seventh day. Remember to keep that day apart. Well, this is something, once again, uh, we need uh, to remember, isn't it? If we are uh, young people embarking on a career or we're changing jobs, we, this is something we, one, one of our considerations must be, will, I be, will my Sundays be preserved for me or will it be taken away from me? We must think about these things. We mustn't just just look at, oh, how much salary am I going to get and all the plus points uh, uh, that, are, that are there, the advantages, the bonuses, the career prospects, and so on. Yes, by all means, look at those things. But also consider, uh, will this job allow me and give me freedom uh, to not only worship the Lord, but do something for Him on that day? Now, of course, there are some jobs which you can't help it. Uh, if you're a doctor or a nurse, or even if you work in a care home, uh, and you're a, you're a chef in a care home, or you work in the laundry in a care home, you have to work weekends at, at, some, at some point rather. And that's understandable. Those are necessary things. But if we can, if we have a choice in these things, then we must uh, try our best to keep it uh, free and for the Lord. But then also you can see when it comes, talking about the work, and when it comes to the Lord's work, well, our contributions must be voluntary. We, our contributions must come willingly from our hearts. It mustn't be something that it's uh, forced upon us and coerced out of us uh, financially uh, w when we give to the Lord's work or when we're giving of ourselves to serving Him and doing something uh, for the church. It must be a willing uh, service. You know, <laughs> many people... Uh, pay their taxes, but they don't do it with a smile on their face. They don't do it cheerfully and gladly. There's a reluctance. Uh, grudgingly, often, people pay uh, their taxes. Many go to their workplaces dragging their feet, wishing they didn't have to go, preferring to stay at home. But it shouldn't be like that 
with the Lord's work. With the Lord's work, we must uh, be uh, keen. We must be eager for it. We must be zealous for it. We must be willing givers. You see this here in verse 5. Uh, take from you, take from among you an offering unto the Lord. Whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it. An offering of the, of the Lord, gold, silver, and brass, uh, and so on. And then again, verse 21. Uh, and they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up, and everyone whose spirit made him willing, and they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation and for all his service and for the holy uh, garments and so on. So people gave uh, very willingly. And uh, this is how uh, it should be. And uh, people said, no doubt to themselves, well, you know, I've, I've got these gold bracelets. I've got, Moses said, bring all these things. And the list is given to us there. Uh, and uh, no doubt some people went back to their tents and they said, well, I've got all these, uh, these things which the Egyptians gave me. There's the gold and jewels. Well, I'm, I was going to keep it for myself or for my future. I'm going to give it uh, to the Lord's work. Or women, maybe uh, they'd spun something, uh, an item, and woven items together. And they had, a, they had it in mind to pass it on to their grandchildren. There would be uh, an heirloom in the family maybe for a while. And uh, in, they, they uh, pass it on. They said, no, I'll give this up. Uh, for the Lord, and let the Lord uh, have uh, these things, uh, and that's uh, that's what's in mind here. Perhaps people had planks of wood that they were carrying with them. Uh, I, I don't know, but the shitting wood must have come from somewhere. Somewhere it came from the people, and uh, so the people willingly uh, contributed uh, of, of uh, offerings for the building of the tabernacle. In chapter thirty-six, in verse two. It wasn't their gifts only, but also a willing heart uh, in the work, where the work is concerned. The second part, uh, in every wise-hearted man in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, even everyone whose heart stirred him up to come unto the work to do it. So not only there were people who willingly gave of what they had, their possessions, but also people gave willingly of themselves and uh, that principle as well stands good for today and it's a principle that uh, uh, from that time even till now uh, still holds uh, good <coughs> if you don't want to give to the Lord's work friends best thing is not to give if you don't if you do it grudgingly well, rather than do it grudgingly keep it it's in your power it's in your hands you can do what you like with it in a sense uh, but uh, it's better not to give in a grudging way if you grudge having to give up time to serve uh, the Lord. Well, will that be accepted of the Lord? The Lord wants a, a cheerful giver. We ought to serve him cheerfully, willingly, heartily. And uh, that's, uh, that's how uh, we should aim to do things, because we want to do it. Oh, do I have to go and help out with the Sunday school? Oh, no. Do I have to do that? Oh, you don't have to. But if you want to help out, well, that's, uh, there. Uh, that's a better attitude uh, to have. Well, then, in chapter 36 and uh, verse uh, 5 and 6, we see something else uh, that we can learn about uh, the work. And that was the amount of giving that people gave. They gave so much until uh, Moses had to say, stop, it's enough. They, 36 verse 5, 
They spake unto Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded to make. And Moses gave commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman make any more for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing, but the stuff they had was sufficient for all the work to make it. And too much. <laughs> it makes us laugh a bit, doesn't it? Because this, people were, were giving so much and bringing so much uh, things for that work of the tabernacle that Moses had to say, it's, it's enough, it's enough. It's too much now that we have. Well, that's a, a good position, uh, isn't it, uh, to, be, uh, to be in. And uh, if everyone in the church uh, gave uh, to the Lord's work, perhaps we could say that. I mean, we're not in a position really to say that, to be honest. It's enough. Too much is, is given. You know, but uh, I think there are very few churches that can actually say that. But if, imagine if everyone at least contributed uh, to the church as they ought. Then there would be more than enough for the work. Now you may ask, or you may not be familiar, what happens, you may ask, with all the finances? What happens with the collection? Where does it all go? Well, there are many uh, expenses. Of course, you have to, there's the support uh, of the pastor. That's uh, one, uh, one means, one area where the money goes. Uh, but it's also the fuel bills. You have the heating, and you have the gas, and you have the electricity bills uh, for uh, the building. We just recently purchased, for evangelistic purposes, 3,000-plus uh, calendars from the TBS. But they don't give those out for free. You know, they, they cost. Uh, but it's for a good work, and we want to use it for a good work. We have a minibus to maintain and petrol uh, to, to, uh, to, fill, to fill it. You carry out a DBS check now. You have to pay uh, for these things. So this is all uh, uh, some of the areas uh, where the money uh, goes and where it's needed. Where, so we haven't quite reached the point where we have to say, restrain the people uh, from giving and remove the offering box. <laughs> but uh, you know, it would be in a nice position to be in. But that's what was happening here. The people perhaps felt very much indebted and so gave so win willingly. So now a, a question arises. The work uh, to be done, well, that's known. And uh, the materials were go are gathered and collected. It's uh, ready and, and waiting. But something's missing. Who is going to do the work? Who is going to carry out this work of building this temple? This work cannot be entrusted to any, anybody any old person, it needs specialists. It needs experts in the work. It needs skilled craftsmen to carry out uh, this work. Skilled artisans who, can, who know and are experienced in these things. But where are they to be found? Where are these men to be found, uh, even amongst those two million plus people who come out uh, of uh, Egypt? You remember in Egypt, well, uh, they were bricklayers brick and uh, brickmakers. How would they uh, know? Well, here we see uh, God's answer in verse, uh, in verse 30 of chapter 35. And Moses said unto the children of Israel, See, the Lord uh, hath called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri. And then in verse 34, And he hath put in his heart that, sorry, uh, yes, verse 34, uh, We have a Holiab, the son of a Hishamach, 
of the tribe of, uh, of Dan. So here are two men whom God has uh, provided uh, for the work, Bezalel and Aholiab. These are the master builders. These are the cra craftsmen uh, whom God has prepared. Bezalel, we read there in the following verses, was an expertise in stone masonry and carpentry and in handling in a very uh, particular way and clever way the gold and the silver and the uh, brass and uh, the jewels that would be entrusted to him. And in chapter 38 and verse 23, we read that Aholiab's expertise area was uh, embroidery, and he was very good uh, at, uh, at, at doing that. So special men here, uh, gifted men, uh, gifted above the ordinary. Well, there was a work to be done uh, for the Lord, and here God has prepared the workmen for it. And the gospel had to be taken to the Gentile world. How is it going to happen? How is, how is it going to be spread uh, to those Gentile nations? How is it going to go out? Well, God prepared his people. God especially prepared the Apostle Paul. And uh, initially, uh, Paul and Barnabas. You remember in Acts 13, uh, where the, the Holy Ghost said uh, to the prophets and the teachers who were gathered at Antioch, uh, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. See, see here is Bezalel and Aholiab. See here is Paul and Barnabas, or rather Barnabas and Saul, as he was known at that time. See here, set them apart for the work of taking the gospel uh, to uh, the, the Gentile uh, nations. A work of redemption. That work of redemption. Who can do the work of redemption? Who can pay the price of sins? Who can stand in the gap of sinners and pay for it all? Who can complete it successfully? Who can do that work? No one. No man is found. No man equal is found. None of us could do it. No angel could do it. See, behold, my servant, God says. See, here is the second person of the Trinity, the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. He uh, can do it, and he uh, did do it, and he accomplished uh, that work. So God prepares, when there's a work to be done for the Lord, we often see God preparing people uh, for him. But then here in verse uh, 31, we see grace and genius uh, combined. Grace and genius uh, together. And he hath filled him, that's Bezalel, uh, with the spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, in all manner of workmanship. Wisdom speaks of that creative uh, genius, that uh, ability, that inventive uh, faculty. You know, sometimes even if you're, uh, I've noticed this with people who are builders or who know how to do things with their hands uh, very well. If there's a problem, they're able to say, well, we should do this and we should do that. And they come up with inventive ways to, to fix uh, a, a, a problem. Uh, in, maybe in the building or uh, in some other way. They, but they have got this inventive, creative uh, faculty about them. And uh, here, this is the same could be said about uh, Bezalel. And then understanding was and the aptness to actually appropriate, to take the ideas and to appropriate that and to make it uh, actually happen. And knowledge would be 
along the, uh, understand, along the lines of experience. Here's an experienced person. They, they're not novices. They're not new to this work. They're not new to the carpentry and stonemasonry and so on. They've got experience uh, behind them. And uh, they know how to mix the colors. He knows how to dye the fabrics. He knows how to mix those ingredients for the uh, anointing oil and for the incense. He knows how to handle uh, the different metals and so on. He's experienced in these things. But again, we ask, where did he get that experience from? Because he was a brickie in, uh, in Egypt, most likely. Or was he? We don't know. But uh, from what we read, the only job uh, that is really mentioned uh, in, uh, in Genesis is that there were bricklayers in Egypt. But perhaps were some other people uh, taught uh, other skills? Or maybe he was an observant person. I'm just surmising here. Maybe he observed uh, other Egyptians at work and picked up things. Well, in some way or other, he gained things. Maybe he had a natural aptness and ability uh, in these uh, areas. But surely as well, he must have gained experience along the way. When they were coming out of Egypt, he must have helped people, we could say, set up their tents, or he helped people to, uh, to make their tents uh, more beautiful, or in other ways, he, you know, he, he, he helped to construct certain things which are needed, all those animals to fence them all in. I, I'm not sure, I'm just you know, uh, using a little bit of uh, imagination. Uh, but in, in, he had uh, these natural uh, talents uh, that was uh, given to him, and he was using them. He was using them, and he, it was noticed by other people, no doubt, and he was a genius at what he was doing, and people recognized uh, that quality that he had with him. But here we are told something additional. God also filled him with his spirit, and so God is, in a special way, equipping him for this particular task of building the tabernacle and putting together those garments for the priests. And so he's especially equipped. His abilities, the Spirit of God coming upon him, uh, makes, uh, makes his abilities sharper. He can see things in a better way. He can understand what, what should be done in a, more, in, a, in a more clearer way. He can see the way that things uh, should be carried out, how the work should be overseen and, and managed. He can understand these better because the Spirit of God has come upon him. So there's grace on the one uh, on this on this side, and also in addition to uh, his natural abilities, grace and uh, genius. We could say, well, uh, this is talking about Bezalel and uh, Holiab, and uh, our new studies next week, God willing, will be about the life of the apostle Paul, and we could say the same, isn't it, about him, that the apostle Paul. Well, uh, he was a man also of genius and greatness and, and natural abilities. Even those natural abilities are God-given, we have to say. They're not just something that we credit the man with. But even the natural abilities come from God. But uh, Paul had these natural abilities. And also when he became a believer, uh, the Spirit uh, came upon him, filled him, uh, and uh, blessed him and used him in such a tremendous way. Naturally, brilliant in so many ways. Logically, 
and um, uh, mentally excellent. And uh, he was so capable in, in so many, with so many natural abilities given to him uh, by God before his conversion. But then after his conversion, those things were dedicated to the Lord. Those things were committed to the Lord. And with the Spirit's blessing, he became uh, even more useful uh, in the Lord's hands. Those talents and gifts, we could say, were enhanced. His mind was further sharpened. And perhaps, and he was, or rather, uh, he was uh, prepared to be that penman of holy uh, scripture. He became, isn't it, he says even of himself, a wise master builder. That's what he was. We can't say that about ourselves. But that's him. He's, he's special. He's different. We need people like this. God prepared special people like this uh, for the special work that was needed uh, at in the times of the early church. A pattern he became for pastors and preachers and uh, for all believers. He was able to see clearly. He had that logical mind, but now with the Spirit's help, he's able to discern and see clearly doctrines very, uh, in a very sharp way, very distinct way. He can see these things, and he's able to communicate those things uh, on to others. And so when Peter got it wrong in Galatia, in his right to Galatia, he was able to reprove him. He said, you're not acting, Peter as you should do. And he could, where people were going, leaving the grace of God, again in Galatia, he could say to them, you've left the gospel. This, not, this is the gospel, the gospel of grace. And so he was used of God in a mighty way. And we've, we've had a few uh, geniuses and giants in the faith, uh, Luther, Calvin, Spurgeon. Well, these are exceptional friends, exceptional blessings that we've had uh, from the Lord. Now, none of us here are geniuses, uh, uh, certainly not in the pulpit, uh, but uh, each one of us has a gift. Each one of us has at least one talent. We don't uh, throw away, uh, friends, our, our natural talents uh, that we've, uh, we've learned and picked up uh, from our pre-conversion days. There's, there's many good things there. We dispense with the sinful things. We dispense with the worldly things. We dispense with the worldly music and the sinful films and all that sort of thing. But there are good things that we've picked up along the way. And those things, well, we, are, we can dedicate them, give it over uh, to the Lord uh, and uh, to his work. Perhaps we're good at writing or good at speaking, and we can use that uh, for the Lord's work. Perhaps you're good at keeping the books or you're, you're a computer whiz kid. And all these things, well, these are areas... Uh, the Lord's work needs such people. Perhaps you're dexterous and you're very good with your hands. Well, again, there's so much to do uh, here in the church. Perhaps you're very good with children and you're able to communicate and reach people. Languages, all these different skills are, are necessary and you can use them and commit them uh, or, or use them for the Lord's sake and the building up of his uh, work. Well, just a couple more things. Here, firstly, see Bezalel, he had to work together. He was not to do it all on his own. He had to work together with Aholiab and uh, then also with all the other skilled people, the men and women, it wasn't only men, who would uh, come together and who offered themselves for the work. This is a teamwork going on. They're working together 
uh, for the building of this tabernacle. All, imagine if all the skills and all the talents were concentrated just in Bezalel, the main man. Well, that would have uh, lifted him up with pride, no doubt. That would have made him feel, well, you know, I don't need anybody else and I can just carry on uh, doing everything by myself. But no, he's taught that even in, in having these other people, he's taught he, he's not self-sufficient. Genius as he is, he still needs his fellow workers. He needs others. He doesn't have all the talents necessary to carry out the work. He needs others alongside him in the work. The Apostle Paul, the, the New Testament genius, he also felt the same way. He had that, those uh, revelations from heaven. He was that wise master builder, but he had his fellow helpers. He had Silas and Barnabas and he had Timothy and Titus and all the, uh, so many other names which you can read of in the New Testament letters. And he knew and felt his need uh, of others. He never uh, thought of himself as self-sufficient and the authority for everything. You must come to me. Everything must go through me. Everything must pass through me. You can't do anything unless uh, it, it comes through me. He never acted in that way. He realized and recognized other people have gifts as well. And they, they also need uh, to use that gifts. Well, it was good for uh, Bezalel that there were others uh, who were able to help him, who would teach him humility, who would keep him uh, humble before the Lord, keep him uh, low. Uh, there would be no rivalry or jealousy uh, amongst the people as they were working uh, together. No rival camps, or oh, I'm of Bezalel and I'm of Aholiab. There was nothing of that because everyone was working together for the same uh, ends uh, to uh, build up uh, that uh, tabernacle. And uh, here, uh, Bezalel is encouraged uh, to recognize that other people uh, also uh, have uh, gifts. So it's a lesson, isn't it, also for us as a church, as we're, uh, it's a team effort. It's not one or two or three man effort, but everyone uh, doing their part. And as we're working together, uh, engaged in the work, we're less likely to fall into quarreling and into disagreements with one another because we're busy about the Lord's business. But then uh, finally, uh, Bezalel and uh, Holiab, they were not only to be hands-on in the work, but we read that they also had to be teachers of others. In verse 34, and he has put in his heart that he may teach both he and Aholiab, and the son of Ahishamak. So they had to be hands-on. They had to do the, the work, help out, put in their own stint, as it were. Uh, but they also had to train and to educate others, to, to show to others, this is how we do things, to demonstrate to them, uh, hands-on, maybe practically, and in other ways they had to uh, teach uh, their fellow workers equip them so that they could do the task. They had to basically pass on the knowledge which they had uh, to others, to equip others uh, for the work. And in the church also, uh, there's the task of teaching, and that uh, usually primarily falls upon the, the pastor teacher uh, who does the main uh, teaching in the church. That's the office that Christ has placed, and it's a, it's a privileged thing to be a pastor teacher in the church, to help others to, to know, 
to explain to others uh, the scriptures, to remove uh, misconceptions from people, people's minds, to, to try and help clear uh, doubts or to instruct people in, in some new things or to take people on in their deeper things in, in spiritual way. It's a great blessing to be a, a teacher. And when people, when the word of God is expounded, well, people are very thankful for that and are very appreciative that uh, they've seen the scriptures in a clearer light. I remember when I first uh, went to a particular church where the scriptures were rightly explained and uh, sensibly explained, it was such, an, uh, uh, such a, uh, a new thing to me. It was, I, I suddenly, I just felt like, wow, <laughs> this is, everything is becoming plain and clear to me. And I, I'm understanding, I was so appreciative that to the pastor who was doing that, who was teaching uh, me these things. And I was learning uh, the scriptures, and that's why I appreciated it uh, so much. But it's all, not only the, the pastor teacher. We all can be, every believer can be a teacher. Every believer should be a teacher, we could say. You know, you may not, you may not teach in a public way, uh, but you may teach your fellow in, individuals, your fellow uh, uh, colleagues even, or those neighbors. You can teach them the gospel. They don't know the gospel. You know it. You have it with you. You can teach them. This is how you can obtain forgiveness of sins. This is how you can obtain a place in heaven. This is how you can have your guilt uh, taken away by knowing Jesus. Do you know him? Have you come to understand him? Well, you can teach them these things as opportunities come up. If they respond, well, they'll be so thankful to you. They'll be so grateful to you for the rest of their lives. They'll always remember that person taught me the gospel. That person showed me the way of redemption. That person gave me a tract or a booklet that showed me the truth. Well, friends, or perhaps you can get alongside another believer and explain a particular doctrine to them. Or you can help a person who's got a particular doubt and you can clear away that doubt that they have or a misunderstanding that they have about the scripture. Perhaps you can teach in the Sunday school if you have uh, that gift and that desire to, be, uh, to teach the children, people will be so grateful to you, friends, if you impart uh, this blessing of knowledge uh, 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 to them. So these are some of the lessons uh, that uh, we can learn uh, from uh, this particular passage. And I just close with uh, a couple of verses from chapter 39. And the end of chapter 39, verse 42. According to all that the Lord commanded Moses, so the children of Israel made all the work. And Moses did look upon all the work, and behold, they had done it as the Lord had commanded. Even so had they done it, and Moses blessed them. Oh, that was, uh, must have been a wonderful sight, isn't it? And Moses saw the finished work. And he saw the tabernacle, and he saw all the, the furniture, and he saw the priest garment. The people had done it exactly as the Lord had commanded them. And uh, he, blessed, uh, he blessed them there. What a, what, a, what a thought for us, isn't it, to take with us. 
This is what we have received from the Lord. This is the blueprint he has given us. This is how he has told us to carry out the work. This is how he has told us to evangelize. This is how he has told us to build up the, the church and to go forward. Oh, let us be faithful in doing that. And at the end, the Lord will say to us, well done, good and faithful servant, faithful to what I've given to you. You've done what I told you to do. You followed uh, what I, my instructions in the work that I gave to the church to do. And the Lord will bless us then, and of course he will bless us now, uh, we trust, as we go forward uh, in this building work. Amen.